Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. There's an amazing beauty and life to be found in what seems to be disorder and decay in aquatic ecosystems. Yeah, decay and breakdown processes, which we've talked about extensively here. It's a fantastic dynamic process. Need an example of this process? Look no further than our friends, the leaves. You know, the plant materials that ecologists call allochthonous input. Material imported into an aquatic ecosystem from outside of it. Yeah, such as fallen leaves. (laughs) So the process which happens when a leaf falls into the water is an incredible example of the elegance of nature and the dependency and interrelationship between terrestrial and aquatic habitats. So what makes the leaves fall off the trees in the first place? This is interesting in and of itself. It's a simple or rather complex complex, but I suppose it's simple too. (laughs) Essentially, the tree commands leaves to fall off the tree by creating specialized cells which appear where the leaf stem of the leaves meets the branches. They're known as abscission cells. And if you're a word enthusiast, you'll love the little fact that they actually have the same Latin root as the word scissors, which of course implies that these leaf cells are designed to make a cut. Interesting, right? And in tropical species of leaves, the process of leaf drop is vitally important to the surrounding environment. So the nutrients are typically bound up in these leaves. And a regular release of leaves by trees helps replenish the minerals and nutrients which are typically depleted from eons of leaching into the surrounding forests. And the rapid nutrient depletion, by the way, is why it's not healthy to burn tropical forests. Because what happens is the release of the nutrients as a result of the fire is so rapid that the habitat can't process it. And in essence, the nutrients are lost forever. Among other reasons, that's a tragedy. Now, interestingly enough, most tropical forest trees are classified as evergreens and don't have a specific seasonal leaf drops like the deciduous trees that many of us are more familiar with. Rather, they replace their leaves gradually throughout the year as the leaves age and subsequently fall off the trees. So the implication here? There's more or less a continuous supply of leaves falling into the jungles and waterways in these habitats, which is why you'll see leaves at various stages of decomposition in tropical streams. It's also why leaf litter banks may be um, almost permanent structures within some of these bodies of water. In fact, many of them have been documented in places like South America that are actually known structures in streams and rivers because they've been accumulating for decades. Interesting. So what's the fate of a leaf that falls into a jungle stream, for example. Well, almost immediately after it falls into the water and becomes submerged, the leaf leaches out some sugars and some carbohydrates. Now, these compounds tend to be dispersed widely into the water via current or other factors. And interestingly, studies have determined that when leaves enter the streams, their nitrogen content generally increases. It's a byproduct of respiration. The respiration is seen as evidence of microbial colonization on the leaf surfaces, which can be corroborated by the increase of oxygen consumption in the vicinity of the submerged leaf litter accumulation. Interesting, right? Now, leaves are surprisingly variable structures in and among themselves. 
And they can vary compositionally significantly by species and sometimes within a species. Studies have shown that different leaves of the same species can contain up to a tenfold difference in difficult to digest tannins, with one leaf containing as little as 3% tannins and another leaf as much as 33%. This impacts the breakdown of the leaves and how quickly and easily they're assimilated in the aquatic environment. Now, I'm also hearing some of you probably going, hey, wait a second, so you're going to sell me a leaf that only has 3% as much of uh, a tannins as the other one? How, how do I know if I'm getting a whole bunch of bogus leaves? I don't want to hear it. Just don't go there. Anyway, a little aside there just sort of entered my head. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> it's, it's something that comes in, in my mind once in a while. Now, <laughs> getting back to the forest, energy in the form of organic carbon, nitrogen, and other nutrients flows from these leaves into the waters, which contributes significantly to these habitats, right? And among the most important roles of these nutrients in the aquatic habitats is to power the process of decomposition. And decomposition, in turn, is the process which powers the development of dun, 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 aquatic food webs, something we've talked about incessantly here. Now, in the decomposition process, the leaf's constituent elements follow multiple pathways. And as leaf litter is broken down into smaller and smaller particles, there are many opportunities for its elements to re-enter the stream food web. Now, of course, the physical leaf itself provides fodder for the fungi, those gooey, stringy things that you see whenever you add leaves to your aquarium after the first few days. Now, the fungi readily colonize these leaf surfaces. Stream-dwelling asexual fungi are called Ingoldian hyphomycites by ecologists in honor of the mycologist C.T. Ingold, who first described them in detail. These fungi supply much of the energy in stream ecosystems. They're really important. Like how important? Well, research by ecologists suggests that not only are fungi needed to start the initial breakdown of leaves, but that fungi are the principal organisms involved in converting leaf materials to a more palatable form for other organisms. So as the fungi work their biological magic, they facilitate the softening of the leaf, allowing our buddies, the bacteria, to further break down the leaf physically. The mesophyll of the fungi, those little tentacles, produce, or they look like tentacles anyway, they produce these enzymes that significantly degrade structural polysaccharides like cellulose, which results in a softening of the leaf structure and an increase of their food value for another group of organisms called shredders. We call leaves which have been acted upon in this matter by aquatic fungi conditioned leaves. We, not only we call that, but ecologists call them that. And then what happens is, Bacteria arrive on the seam uh, to form part of what we call biofilms, which is a complex community of algae, bacteria, fungi, and protozoans living in a matrix of secretions that adhere to the leaf surfaces themselves. Now, biofilms form when bacteria adhere to surfaces in some sort of watery environment and begin to excrete this slimy glue-like substance, which consists of sugars and other substances that can stick to all sorts of materials and things like leaves, for example. <laughs> now, Biofilms continue the work started by the fungi to soften the leaves for other organisms along the food chain, typically insects. So, usually about four to seven days after the leaf falls in the water, aquatic insects, typically gnats and other small little creatures, start to arrive on the scene and they join in the bounty that the submerged leaf provides. These little grazers are typically insects like caddisfly larvae and even aquatic organisms like snails. They specialize in feeding off the biofilms on the leaf surfaces with specialized little mouth parts. Then larger organisms like various insect larvae and worms shred the leaf with their tearing mouth parts. They're called shredders. <laughs> Other aquatic insects 
are collectively known as collector gatherers. These insects move sort of slowly along the stream bottom, searching for dead organisms, detritus, leaves, other food particles. And still another group of organisms filters particles of biofilms or tiny bits of the leaves, which are dislodged by grazers and shredders as they float downstream in the current. These filter-feeding organisms may be either free-swimming or sessile, meaning attached to the leaf tissue, and they feed and grow. They'll consume organic detritus and other materials in the water column as well. Some of these filter-feeding organisms, such as hydra and amphipods, are predators too, opportunistically feeding on live organisms which happen to float on by. Finally, some larger aquatic insects are actually predatory upon the other smaller insects which feed on the bounty of the leaf litter. They, in turn, form part of the diet of the alpha species in these bodies of water, our fishes. Of course, fishes will take advantage of the leaves themselves, the fungi, the botanical bio, the biofilms, and even the fungal, you know, the fungal growths, uh, as well as various invertebrates and insects which break them down. And the resulting detritus, which is produced as part of this decomposition process, they'll eat just about everything, specialized feeders as we know. The largest proportion of Alochthonus organic matter entering most streams comprises leaves, barks, and wood, notably twigs. The carbon and nitrogen contained within leaves are assimilated and released at various stages of their decomposition process, which is really important for the overall ecosystem. In each step of the aquatic food web, energy is uh, transferred excuse me, from one organism to another and from one trophic level, which is an energy level, of the aquatic community to the next. Thus, an entire aquatic food web is built around a community of fungi colonizing fallen leaves. So I come back to this concept again and again and again because so many people who are new to the idea of botanical-style aquariums and our practice of adding botanical stuff to our tanks simply ask, why? Why do you do this? Well, it makes perfect sense to ask this question. And it also makes perfect sense to be a bit hesitant about the idea of tossing a bunch of leaves and seed pods and stuff you, you, you find into your perfectly clean, well-manicured aquarium. We've been told for generations that we need to keep our tanks free from, you know, extraneous additions of organic materials. To many hobbyists, this is rightly viewed as adding biolud to the aquarium, which it is. However, rather than just viewing the addition of leaves and stuff as a means to pollute your tank, I think it's more important to understand the context that leaves are actually fuel, the power for the ecosystem that is our closed system aquarium. It's absolutely fundamental to what we do. Adding leaves to our aquariums is a functional recreation of a natural process. And it's important to note that the primary rationale within our movement for adding leaves and botanicals to our tanks is not aesthetic. I say this all the time. Sure, they do look cool, but that's a collateral benefit of their most beautiful attribute, which is the function and benefits which they bring. Leaving these materials in situ to follow the process of softening, recruiting fungal growths, biofilms, and other organisms, and allowing them to completely break down is how we embrace the process of creating a functional closed aquatic ecosystem in our aquariums. I've said this before, and I'll say it one more time because I can't say it often enough. A truly natural aquarium is not sterile. It encourages the accumulation of organic materials and other nutrients, not in excess, of course. Biofilms, fungi, algae, detritus, they all have their place in the aquarium not as an excuse for lousy husbandry or being lazy, no, 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 but as part of the microbiome and to serve as supplemental food sources for the other life forms in our tanks. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of the decayed material is subsequently recycled as nutrients like phosphorus in the form of phosphate and nitrogen in the form of ammonium, 
which are readily available for plant growth. Carbon's released largely as carbon dioxide that acts to lower the pH of the aquarium water. We need to get over the, the, the block, which is sort of a spoused, a sanitized version of nature in our aquariums. I hit on this theme again and again and again, I know, because I feel like globally our community is like 75% there. We're almost entirely bought into the idea of really naturally appearing and functioning aquarium systems. We're just about all the way there. Now, understanding that stuff like, you know, the aforementioned decomposition of materials and the appearance of biofilms comprise both a natural and functional part of the microcosms that we create in our tanks is so important. It's true in both the wild and in the aquarium, of course. The same processes and functions which govern what happens to these materials in the wild occur in our aquariums. And if we reject our initial instinct to edit what nature does, the aquarium takes on a look and vibrancy that only she can create. So I say again, embrace, don't edit. Leave the stuff in there until it decomposes. It's a real mental shift that we as hobbyists have to make. And sure, there will always be a lot of people that just don't like the look of brown water decomposing leaves, biofilm, and fungi in their aquariums. And I get it. It's a radically different look than what we've come to accept an, an aquarium should look like for the better part of a century. We have to accept nature's input here. We can't be afraid of it. And we need not be. Nature dictates the speed by which this decomposition process occurs. Nature recruits the organisms which power our little ecosystems. Yeah, we set the stage for it, but nature is in full control. She always was and always will be. And our journey starts with a falling leaf. Leaves represent a true confluence of terrestrial and aquatic elements, working together to create a unique and inspiring aquatic habitat. By replicating, at least on some level, an unedited interpretation of the process which builds these habitats, we open up new possibilities, foster breakthroughs in aquatic husbandry, and further the state of the art of the aquarium hobby. And yeah, it starts with a falling leaf. Stay inquisitive. Stay studious. Stay observant. Stay persistent. Stay patient. Stay bold. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenon Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.